0: Hello, and welcome to the Dungeon Masters Guildhouse. Uh, This is a weekly podcast in which I, your host, Matthew Whitby, sit down with people all across the tabletop RPG and surrounding space. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by the, the, uh, well, I was going to say, the the man with the blurry background, uh, none other than Eugene Marshall. Hello. Hello,
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me.
0: No, thank thank you for joining us from the void.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm speaking to you from uh, Limbo right
0: now, nice. actually. No, I must admit, I, I think there's something kind of haunting or scary about seeing things that are just blurry. Like, there, I think that there was like, a, I remember there being like old kind of folky horror stories about someone who like, uh, uh, just a blurry man, who like, even if they're like only like mm-hmm. 20 feet away, they have that kind of ominous blur around them.
1: Well, it's also kind of how your brain registers objects in your peripheral vision, right? Yeah. So when you just catch a glimpse of something, you turn and it's maybe gone. That's can be creepy, but you only see it, a blur, right?
0: I mean, also, I mean, uh, I, I myself, as a a, a individual, uh, I, I'm, I'm used to seeing blurry things.
1: Right here it is. Yeah. Yes, the world is very scary now. I take my glasses off.
0: Yeah. No. I, uh, oh, but... Still scary. I put them back on. That's fine. <laughs> no, that's just that's just you having to look at me. That's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so for the people listening, uh, mm. horrifying blurry people aside um what sort of product have you been creating you know what, what have you been putting out in the world
1: well i guess the thing i for which i'm most well known right now is ancestry and culture an alternative to race and 5e which i put out last year and is up for three or four any awards currently mm. um i since then which I, that was the launch of my press arcanist press and my uh, publication company and we've put out four or five more books that are kind of building on that product and uh, extending the line in addition there's i've got some at adventure and have three or four uh supplements on dm's guild uh and i'm also working with my friend erin acevito of sigil entertainment to put out both savage world's content We've done a couple of Kickstarters of that. And most recently, uh, a thing called S5e, which is super heroic role playing for 5th edition, which we just Kickstarted last month. Uh, those are the things I ha- have done. So, looking yeah. in the, into the past, right? Uh, yes. But I guess Ancestry and Culture is like the one that I'm known for best. Well,
0: it's absolutely a busy, a busy bee and a half. It's literally, it's, there's, there's, there's all manner of things that you've kind of been getting up to. Um, one thing I always do like to kind of start is like, so what was exactly like, what was the product that you kind of started the whole adventure with was it was it literally bang out the gate with incestories or?
1: So if we're talking about starting as a creator. Um, well, do we mean professionally because I've been homebrewing content for years just like many of us. Yeah. Um, I started uh, professionally, I guess you'd say, in 2017, 2018, when my friend Aaron, the aforementioned Aaron, uh, invited me to do, actually, we were playing in a game of Vampire the Masquerade online, and uh, he was putting, he's a publisher, Sigil Entertainment's been working in the industry, he's been working in the industry for 20 years, and he was putting together a little supplement of NPCs for World of Darkness, he's going to sell on DriveThru, And he liked my character. So he's like, why don't you write up up your character and publish it? And the deadline's blah. I'm going to have all the players in this game do that. I was the only person that turned mine in on time. (laughs) So he said, well, do you want to write up some more? So I did. And, I, and, and then I was still the only person who turned him in. And it kept, it kept happening. So I ended up writing like two-thirds of that book. It's called Denizens of Darkness. And then after that, he started launching these Savage, uh, Pro, uh, Savage Worlds products called Savage Sign. And they're like anthologies of Savage Worlds content. Uh, think kind of like Dragon Magazine or something, yeah. right? But for Savage Worlds. Uh, so we put out a couple of those. And I wrote about... Uh, maybe a half of each of those. Wow. Um, and so that included f- across, I don't know, maybe two or three distinct settings and half a dozen adventures, right? Uh, so that was a fair amount of content with him. And then I created Ancestry and Culture and launched my own line and had him kind of help. He did layout lay out uh, on it, for example. Uh, but Ancestry and Culture was the first thing on my new, my own kind of under my own banner. Yeah. But I, I'd put out, I don't know, half a dozen things prior to that with him.
0: Wow, I mean, yeah, it sounds like the entire, like your entire, like, uh, well, again, yeah, professional journey kind of started just be by being punctual.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Just showing up and doing the work is, uh, you're halfway there, right? That's how you get a good reputation. You, you know, you do work on time of at least a decent quality, and a lot of people that's they just struggle to hit the deadlines.
0: So I guess as well, because in kind of chatting, it sounds like you've kind of worked again from just kind of a publication standpoint. You've kind of worked across multiple game systems as well. And was it was it typically kind of the journey that it would you would kind of like an avid player, and you were kind of taking inspiration again. It's 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 so easy to take inspiration from your home games because that's where you know the ideas are sparking every second.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I've been I got back into gaming, so I kind of took a hiatus for grad school and kids and stuff. But I mean, I started back in like '82 and gamed up until the early 2000s. Took a break, came back in 2014 with fifth edition. And, but I really, I've always played more than just d and So mm-hmm. I take a lot of design inspiration as well as just creative entertainment from other systems besides d like the Storyteller or Powered by the Apocalypse or Savage Worlds. And so I delight in putting out content with uh, all kinds of systems, uh, uh, both for my home games, which are again, across all of these different systems as well as for publication.
0: I must admit, I think that there is there is like that kind of like um, aha moment where you kind of kind of grok a, 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 another game system where oh, you yeah. kind of you understand it, its strengths and weaknesses. And you can kind of see how like a, a particular story or product kind of meshes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of then the kind of the I don't know, to, like the, to go almost like I, don't, I was about to, say, to go like Super Saiyan is the point <laughs> where, you, where you go beyond that. Be like, OK, well, now now that I understand this system. What can I maybe like bring across to like others, and then you kind of end up with you know there's kind of journey where you end up with like all sorts of manners of rules and and new new systems. Um, right. One day, so just oh, so, go. No, go ahead. no, 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 please. Yes. I was just
1: going to say, like the thing that uh, for me, right, is that different game mechanics when they're well made. Mm-hmm. Uh, which many of these systems are full of, create a feeling in the in the players at the table. And you'll be playing one game and then you'll play another game and you realize this is a kind of feeling I don't have when I play game one. Yeah. I wonder whether I could create that feeling in game one using some of the ideas and systems, right? So you have to port them over. But for me, it's always about like, what's the player experience at the mm-hmm. table? And then I just, you know, I I really, you know, people have, whatever, people have praised ancestry and culture and other things, and that's great, but I'm really more of a remixer than a creator, you know, I I like to pick and choose and then combine things in new ways. And so playing in other systems is key for that, for me.
0: So then I guess if you, so as you kind of have gone across your journey then, it sounds like you have kind of dabbled across, again, because you started with writing characters, and you've kind of moved across kind of system design and stuff like is it the case of like, you just kind of enjoy Everything across the spectrum of like design, or was it more the case of like, what well, I guess like now at this point, would you say would you confidently say, oh yeah, no, I'm like, why well, I guess like a, um, I wouldn't, I don't want to say systems designer, but I guess in your own terms like a a mix a systems mixer, <laughs> is that
1: Yeah, it is now. So, um, no, I, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, so a lot of creators that I have a huge amount of respect for, uh, including, you know, hey, yourself and other people on the DMs Guild, right? One of the things that's quite impressive that I don't do, but that many of you do, is create narrative content. We're talking about worlds, characters, story hooks. That's great, and I can do it adequately, but it's really hard. It's an Mm -hmm. uphill battle. Uh, Mechanics, on the other hand, just come naturally to me for some reason. I really think in that those terms. Um, I could speculate as to why. It's probably related to the fact that my day job is as a philosophy professor at university. (laughs) So I'm always like working through complicated systems of thought and figuring out how these concepts fit together. And Mm -hmm. so it just just kind of like it's like thought engineering. And so I just go and look at system game systems and very similar feel to me but telling a story like i'm no novelist i'm no filmmaker what do i I can't say things about cool characters so i prefer (laughs) to, to work on the systematic mechanical side uh and so pretty much anywhere that that kind of phenomenon shows up i'm excited to engage with it but not just for its own sake again i like to think about mechanics as facilitating experiences and stories so for other people to tell like i you you've got the good ideas for the stories i'll just create some tools so that you tell them uh in a better way
0: i i i mean like okay so i i I don't think i've ever heard the necessarily comparison between uh, i guess systems mechanics and and philosophy <laughs> so i think that's it's good no it's it, it, it's an interesting kind of uh very almost and also the kind of very like apt description because i guess it is that kind of um that that ongoing kind of discussion and i suppose not easy in terms of mechanics but being player focused in terms of like okay well what is what is the the end result come at, you know, coming out of this um again i'm going to show my lack of understanding as, of philosophy as a whole so that I feel like that's not, there's not always necessarily an output of philosophy (laughs) in terms of like some of the kind of, uh, not, uh, I I suppose I cyclic, cyclical debates or.
1: Well, I mean, have you, if you spend a long enough time in role-playing game forums, you'll see cyclical debate, (laughs) right? So, I mean, like when people are arguing about interpreting the text, it Mm -hmm. sounds, I mean, to me, that feels a lot like either like a bunch of philosophers arguing over about what Plato said, or I don't know, like. Talmud scholars arguing about religious texts, right? I mean, there's, there's this like hermeneutical element to it. But I mean, but the issue is that like philosophers and many other disciplines do work with a lot of kind of conceptual structures and frameworks and theories. And one of the big challenges is getting it to work together like a logical coherent system. And so thinking about like, how can I take this abstract concept or process and make it output a result I want? Uh, we can be talking about how I can take my theory of ethics and make it produce the, the actions I want it to, or, you know, I don't know, how I understand the world makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, it's in a way, I mean, when I sit down to do game design, I'm like, well, how can I make this... System of race in D more inclusive at the table. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's one thing to just say, make it inclusive. Well, like, well, what does that look like mechanically yeah. to create that experience without, of course, bringing all the bad stuff that bad mechanics can bring, like bogging things down and needless complexity or obscurity, or they can be inconsistent and contradictory. You don't want any of that. Mm-hmm. So that's the challenge, making it smooth, elegant, easy to use, but also create the experience you want. So that's the, the trick
0: uh, there, I, you know i, th- I think uh, yeah i think because there is a, that careful balance with the, kind of like system design is the fact that obviously um sometimes going through the process of giving mechanics and rules to certain systems uh can also be almost like too too too, too, too many levels of abstraction it's like the point of like i don't like that going back to play i don't feel like i'm playing a ship right now i feel like i, I feel like I'm, I'm playing a cell I have I have all these all these numbers I'm keeping track of, which I'm yeah. sure for people who play was it Eve online, I'm sure they love that. That's that, that's that's the right, but, right.
1: Well, yeah. that's one of the advantages of playing other systems. As I have, especially in the past five years, the kind of indie game uh, communities have just keep, continued to grow and produce really fantastic, streamlined, more narratively focused content. So playing Powered by the Apocalypse games and other story games mm-hmm. really have. I also, to be. let me just be honest with you, I'm a very busy person and I have a day job and I have kids and a spouse who also has a career and so on and so forth. I don't have the time anymore like I did in the 80s and 90s to sit down with a 500 page rule book and just churn through it so that I can optimize my character with the chain of feats a la 3.5 Pathfinder or Palladium or one of those older systems. I don't have the that kind of time anymore. So I want my games to be I want the rules to be transparent and mm-hmm. quick to pick up. And uh, I want to create that experience for players mm-hmm. too. So if yeah. I'm going to do a system for race or anything, it needs to be like, you got to grok it immediately. Otherwise you're not doing it right.
0: There is, there is that kind of like that ongoing balance between like weighing up like uh, complexity and depth, mm-hmm. and that the two are often kind of like complicated together. In the fact that obviously you can make a really, really like deep game in terms of option by making it exceedingly complex. But the challenge is to have a very simple game that has like, like, I, in, in some way, you know, I guess that was the appeal of 5e as, as a system is because it kind of smoothed on a lot, you know, smoothed off, mm-hmm. smoothed off a lot of the sharp edges. Um,
1: it's a and, Goldilocks for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, no, geez. Yeah, it's, it, there's, 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 I imagine, yeah, there's, there's no, no kind of end of it. Um but again, you've kind of alluded to it a few times and I feel like we should probably, yeah, address the the I was about to say the elephant in the room, but I don't know if that's, <laughs> that makes it sound. But no, uh, ancestry and culture. Um, yes. I guess kind of like, my, you kind of touched on before because of the uh, the kind of problematic aspects with, again, going back to that 5e of, of uh, I guess, uh, character creation and the way they handled like races. Um, what would you say is like, I guess, the kind of driving force of like, this is something I want to make or?
1: Um, honestly, I, you know, this is really important. I've said this in online and in other forums many times, but I didn't come up, I didn't identify the problem, right? I learned, I didn't know about the problem, you know, playing d d in the eighties. It didn't occur being a, a white uh, person in the America, Midwest, right? Mm-hmm. Suburban Midwest. I basically grew up in like stranger things. I was that age and everything, right? Yeah. Um, I had no clue that there, that there was a representation problem. I mean, so I really had to learn in the early actually when I came back to gaming in 2014, from people like, you know, James Mendez Hodes and Graham Barber and, you know, Ryan Black and mm-hmm. Tanya De Pass and Gabe Hicks and all these fantastic people that are working every day to see their own identities represented at games or to, and people like them not be excluded. So I learned from them. And, uh i just was trying and people were messing with trying to solve it right so mm-hmm. um uh on dD beyond James hake and Tristan tarwater each posted like attempts to, to fix this mm-hmm. uh i just thought because eh, there everybody's att- other attempts there's a bunch of great ones but i was really leaning into that like how can i make this as simple as possible mm-hmm. s- easy and like just plug and play as possible but still accomplish the goal yeah and so i sat down and just came up with something showed it to a friend and ed silver thanks ed and he said you should publish this and so i'm like really so i showed it to my other friend aaron who publishes stuff and he's yeah. like sure whatever <laughs> said, there's the zine quest kickstarter coming up it's really low bar of entry right you could create it just set a couple hundred dollar goal and buy some cover art and you're done mm-hmm. so i did and then but it blew up right yeah. so i, I really uh, uh owe it to a those people that have been working kind of in the trenches mm-hmm. uh mostly people of color uh on these issues and then because i learned about the problems from them i just happened to come up with one kind of clever ish insight on how to solve the problem because that again that's my headspace is yeah. how to solve these complex problems with simple answers the best word is elegant right uh mm-hmm. that's, that's what mt black called ancestry and culture which is uh, my favorite kind of like plot it it received because that's that word elegance, like in a science, scientific theory or in mm-hmm. math means, you know, really does the powerful thing, but does it as simply as possible, which was always my design goal. Uh, so I was pleased to
0: hit that. Was this also kind of like, again, was this kind of your first foray into like the, the, the world of Kickstarter alongside?
1: No, because I'd participated in a couple of those yeah. Kickstarters with my friend Aaron. So Savage Sign, we'd Kickstarted the previous year, mm-hmm. the previous uh, winter, summer, I guess. And that was pretty successful. And I had helped out because he, in his job, like, Sigil Entertainment is his side gig. Yeah. His day job is running um, Art Direction and many of the Kickstarters for Pinnacle Entertainment. Okay, fine. So, Damage Worlds. He, yeah. he also worked on Torg and Seventh Sea and Deadlands. And so he's got, I've just have been coattailing on his experience so, a little so, bit.
0: So then I guess, like, I guess the kind of the, the, one of my more immediate questions then is, do you think, like, the the overwhelming success of the Kickstarter helped kind of shape the product at all? Because For I imagine, sure. yeah, interesting. And, and kind of to kind of expand on that, like in, in what way do you think it did?
1: So one thing that happened when the Kickstarter was making money, uh, I realized that we could do things like bring in an editor, right? And so I decided, you know what, I want to go all in on this. I was really excited about how it was making money and I really wasn't, I'm very privileged and fortunate enough to have a day job. Mm-hmm. so I don't need the money right now from a Kickstarter that I thought was kind of a one-off. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, we're going to go all in and buy a really nice piece of cover art and get a really great uh, editor. So I got Hannah Rose because she had just been working, she had just finished working on the Mount book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so she's a real pro and she really helped it. But then the second thing I did was hired Daniel Kwan uh, to do a cons- a, con- like a consultation to help me kind of shape it as I was writing it. Uh, on kind of sensitivity and cultural issues. Mm -hmm. And he had a fantastic insight. You know, he has an academic background also, right? Mm -hmm. And in anthropology. And he said to me, you know, like, hey, you're a college professor. You should take this opportunity. Don't shy away from being like a little, you know, instructional or pedantic here. Like, so he kind of suggested that I write this introductory essay that justifies why I think this product is needed. And I actually think that made a bigger, probably impact than the actual system itself uh and so uh you know i'm grateful to him for suggesting that uh so those are ways in which like getting a little getting some other perspectives Mm -hmm. you know uh, really helped me transform the product into something that was both more powerful thanks daniel and also much more professional looking thanks uh uh, hannah
0: so it didn't feel like daniel was giving you uh, essay homework at all
1: (laughs) Well, only, I mean, yes, but in the way that, like, a good colleague does to yeah, another no colleague yeah. in a scholarly, kind of scholarly world, you know, you're like, you know what you should write, and you're like, thanks, that's an awesome idea, that's a wonderful thing to get an assignment like
0: that. So- but I, I must admit, it's, it's that kind of, like, fascinating thing of, like, you know, like, when you watch a film, and, the, like, you're so enraptured in the film that you're like, you know what, I'm going to watch it with commentary on. Yeah. and you you get all these kind of designerly you know di- directoral insights that you wouldn't have otherwise and mm-hmm. as designers especially of like system designers you don't get to you just you just present the rules in the most elegant way possible you don't get to like site like hey side note this took like three months or <laughs> you know or yeah. like this is the, the, the 20th iteration of this um which I guess is yeah having like a uh that kind of um I, I yeah, I, I don't know, I, I feel weird calling it an essay now, but like having having that kind of up front as as literally to like this is this is why we're doing it, this is why we need it.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. Uh, that I mean, look, in an ideal bit of design, all of those labors that went into making it the product it is mm-hmm. should be, in the words of one of my grad student advisors, uh uh left behind on the workroom floor, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so, yeah, that's right. You don't want to show your work in that way, right? Mm-hmm. Although every once in a while, it is interesting to play with that. Like, I know I, it's and it's also super interesting to hear why. Like, because I remember, for example, the first time I really had this clued into me, a little anecdote here, is okay. I'm watching, uh, I'm kind of a sci-fi and fantasy movie buff as well. So I was watching Tarkovsky's Solaris, Um which is the seventies science fiction. George Clooney did a remake with, uh, um. Anyway, so, um, and there's this weird scene near the beginning where there's this a Russian film. So there's this Russian cosmonaut, he's mm-hmm. retired. And the government guy comes in, you've seen this scene in a hundred films. You gotta come back. You're yeah. the only one who can do it. And he's talking about how there's this space station that they've lost contact with. And they give this big info dump, right? They're like, here was the last broadcast and he watches it. And it's mm-hmm. like, they've found alien life, but now we've lost that connection. You need to go out there and, and find out what happened. Then there's the scene where the cosmonaut's like, let me think about it, and he gets in the car and the camera is like sitting in the back seat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you just watch the guy drive home and it's like 5 solid minutes of just the highway. Yeah. And I'm like, what is going on with the scene? I'm watching it like at home on T on like you know, DVD or something. So I like skip ahead. I'm like, no, he's still in the damn car. Nothing's happening, right? Yeah. Later, I read an interview With Tarkovsky, and he said, Well, I put that scene in there. Somebody's like, What is up with the driving scene? I put that scene in there because I had just given the viewers a bunch of information. And in the theater, you can't pause it and think about it. So I needed to give them time there to process the information before moving on to the next film or the next part of the film because I was going to be using that information in a, in a very critical way to explore the character. And I didn't want them getting confused about the plot. I wanted them to focus on the character. So I gave them time to process and digest that before moving on. And I was like, it's kind of blew my mind that it's a a meta way of like presenting information. It's like, you know, that you're in a theater and the person. So, I mean, like, this is the kind of thing that Way of thinking about design that's like, okay, well, this sounds nice on paper, but what would this look like when two people are sitting at a table Mm -hmm. talking to one another about it, right? You got to kind of play it out in your head and say, is this going to communicate what I want in the Mm -hmm. actual act?
0: As I was, as it's like to use, I guess, a tabletop RPG example, while people are gathering around the table like grabbing the the 30,000. They're like, this seems really cool on paper, but now we have to wait 30 minutes for it to stop rolling. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or
1: yeah, let's, oh, I've got it. Tell me how familiar this sounds if you've ever done design work. Okay, so the guy rolls an attack. If you hit, then uh, the the target has to make a saving throw or they take this additional damage. And then, yeah. you know, and you just, like, the more cool stuff you add, like, every turn takes forever, right? Yeah. And, you know, that's just, like, there, there, there is such a thing as too much, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, with cool stuff in design. So you got to kind of, like, what does this look like exactly?
0: No, uh, I, got, I got it. Played. I kind of love that that anecdote it's yeah It, it i guess it's uh, my my, my mind immediately goes to like i don't know like my mind is like did, did 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 he do any like street like i'm curious if he did any screen to work out if that actually is like an effective method for people to kind of like work out the plot or is it the case of like most people like we've heard the plot I've kind of forgotten it. And now I'm fast forwarding past the casting because <laughs> I, I want to see some aliens. Um, right. Jeez. Ah, so then I guess- I think,
1: yeah. Oh no no. Super f- I love that story. Yeah. No, no, I love it. No. I'm good though.
0: That's good. Uh, That's yeah, funny. Yeah. So then I guess, so uh, I guess now, again, we're chatting now, we can peel back the curtain a little bit. Was there anything that kind of through the, I guess, iterations of Ancestry and Culture that kind of shaped it? Or was it mm-hmm. pretty kind of close from, from the get-go? So the point when I created it, my
1: design goals were two. One is to create a a, a, a scenario that takes their essentialism out of race and birth, Mm -hmm. right? I didn't want orcs to be born savage and menacing. Mm -hmm. I wanted that to be something that they might learn in certain contexts if they wanted. And so that's why separating like the learned traits into a culture and the The obviously inherited traits into ancestry, like dark vision or water breathing or wings Mm -hmm. or whatever, size, age, those are obviously inherited. But, you know, almost all the other behavioral stuff, the proficiencies, that's all learned language. So that was pretty easy uh and and then that was the goal and then the second goal of course was to do it in a way that was just literally plug and play like that Mm -hmm. if somebody didn't want to use the system it would be easy for them to there's not a speed bump right there's no friction points you're like you want to be an elfy elf take elf ancestry and culture boom done moving on right easy Uh, but um and if you want to be a dwarf raised by elves then you just take this and that boom done right it's no you don't have to like. You don't have to do math or anything, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that was the design goal. But then I realized after I had finished designing it that oh, you know, it wouldn't be hard to add at the end a rule about put mixing ancestries, mm-hmm. right? So like, well, it's easy. You just take one trait from one ancestry and one trait from the other ancestry and you've got a hybrid ancestry. Yeah. And that allowed me to create characters, not just that was a human raised by elves like Aragon or a human raised by dwarves, like if you know your Terry Pratchett, like Carrot Iron Founderson. Yeah. Right. Um, it also allowed me to create someone who is the child of like a tiefling and a gnome, or the child of a, you know, an elf and an orc. Yeah. And actually, I think a lot of people have resonated with those, maybe even more than the ancestry culture mismatch mix and match. And so like the art, so when I realized that during the Kickstarter, that's when I, I directed the, I my spouse was playing, you know, kind of occupying the role of art director. So I said, mm-hmm. hey, art director, let's get <laughs> some art that depicts this. So like the cover art depicts a bunch of people of not just Maybe their ancestry and their culture are dis- are divergent, but they're of mixed ancestry. Mm-hmm. And that's actually ended up those mixed ancestry pieces of art uh, because of the mixed ancestry mechanic I added as an afterthought yeah. ended up being as powerful as anything to do with uh, ancestry and culture divide.
0: I, I, don't, I, I don't know what it is, but no, I'm 100 I'm with you. I think just like there's, there's like any time I'm sort of like doing character work and stuff like that anytime I I, do, I don't it's always something like cute and quirky about like a, a like a mixed sense like the idea of like you know a, a goliath and a dwarf kind of like lovingly doting on each other and yeah yeah and and the idea of like now that there's the kind of the rules in place to kind of support that the, their children um yeah. which yeah it's yeah it's, it's no Sorry, continue.
1: No, no, I was just gonna say, yes. I And the thing that I really might, the thing that I'm happiest about really, I mean, apart from the like, maybe the way in which it might make the hobby just a little bit more inclusive, mm-hmm. um, is the fact that it's super simple to adopt, but it actually ends up bringing a huge amount of narrative richness that I didn't really expect, Yeah. right? Because when you're creating a character and you're like, okay, um, human, that's all you've got to say. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, what does that mean? Narratively, what does that mean for your characters? Backstory, it could mean anything. Yeah. It's it's really bland, or even elf, dwarf, gnome. Like, well, okay, you mean I stereotypes come to mind, but if I tell you I'm a gnome, I'm the child of a gnome and a halfling raised by dwarves, you're already like, Wow, you've told me so much about the world and yeah. this person's experience. I want to know how that happened. And it's just immediately like a story starts rolling off out of you. Uh, and it's so much more inviting to kind of cool character backstories and original uh individuals so that's super fun to do too
0: no i i I can definitely i can kind of get behind like you know the kind of the the shifting because one thing that's kind of i've always kind of agreed with is the 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 way 5e kind of handles the ability score improvements kind of tied to tied to race is 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 i feel like is immediately thrown out the window the moment you're kind of dealing with adventurers it's it's the fact that you know yeah that okay sure you know halflings are small but this is this is a halfling barbarian who and in, in about 10 levels or so is going to be hurling boulders like seven times the size of them they're not you know that they're that they're, 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 you know that they're, they're, i don't know they're adventurous they're not know they are adventurers they are not i would say they're not human but like in that sort of like yeah they're, they're not super, superhuman yeah. people they
1: are they're superheroes let's face it dnd characters are superheroes yeah. I'm absolutely which is oh by the way why i Realizing that and knowing it for years was—it wasn't hard to make a superhero version a game
0: that uses the OGL and SRD rules, you know, the D&D core. That was easy. Yeah. Right. Jeez. So then, yeah, no, wow. And then, then, yeah, I imagine it's kind of so. Kind of following on the success of like Ancestry and Culture, I guess it was just kind of planned to like, I guess, kind of expand it and kind of cover what content you, I guess, you couldn't necessarily cover within the book because I guess you you probably have to stop somewhere. <laughs>
1: Well, the book was just going to be a zine. It was going to be a 32 page zine. Right. And it ended up like tripling in size almost because people stretch goals. I added adventures and all this stuff, but um, yeah. And then after the book though, then, I mean, the thing that kind of irked me a little bit is because I wanted to kickstart it and wanted it to be, uh, you know, I was going to put it on drive through. I couldn't, I could only use the one subclass or sub race for every race mm-hmm. that appears in the srd the core so it's only high elf and you know whatever uh hill dwarf and so on and so forth
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh so i i was like well this is really limiting so i just started putting out custom and kind of uh, new ancestries and cultures in three or four books after that that gives you you know every analog you could possibly need for every single playable character or ancestry or culture or creature or race and then and publish those. And then I ended up saying, even I'm going to do even more. And I took all of the official content, all of the official races and creatures and just put, use the fan content license and put them up for free yeah. on my Patreon behind, no, no paying involved. So now, yes, now you can make, you want to make the mountain dwarfs or the, you can, using the letter of the D&D rules. You can, if yeah. you want to use my whatever rock dwarf, which is a substitute I made in one of the published books, you can do that. And of course you also get, to play mind flares or a character or a modron character or whatever you like
0: yeah oh, i mean yeah you I suppose, I suppose at that point you know you just throw anything to the mix it you leave a dental at the players kind of <laughs> but i mean just because you had left it with Ilithid and and like mind, uh sorry uh, uh modron i i i can't imagine what sort of child would come out of that <laughs> but you know that's 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 for it's one dm out there to kind of deal with and and, and enjoy for the party right. of like yeah no you know Um, Yeah, I mean,
1: one of the questions that came up, and frankly, uh, I did get a lot of pushback, of course, from ancestry and culture, and also my continuing kind of advocacy for those issues in the uh, community, and I got a couple kinds of pushback. The biggest one, of course, is what you'd expect, which is get your politics out of my game. We don't need this or something. There's nothing, are you saying I'm racist because I played a half-orc? No, I'm not saying that. And, you know, like if you read the essay, yeah, it's only, two, it's only two or three pages. I'm not giving you major reading homework. And make it very clear, like this isn't about you being a racist, not you, but this person. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's about just making, giving an option to the, get to the game that a would, could in principle allow some people to feel more included or represented or something, right? That's it. Um, But uh, the second biggest pushback I got was that's not realistic because they're different species. And I said, so dragons are realistic though, right? Is that what you're saying? Right? No. Okay. The wish spell, is that realistic? Okay. So they want, and people would honestly, like, I had people trying to argue with me online repeatedly, like, trying to tell me about biology. Like, yeah. no, you see, when different species, and I'm like, okay, first of all, yeah. this is I, a pretend. I, this I is th- pretend, th-
0: friends. Yeah, right. you kind of just have to disarm it with love Love finds a way, you know? Yeah, <laughs> when, when, <laughs> that's right. When, yeah, yeah. When, when, when two people, like, when an earthed and a modron love each other very much, and, you know, that they, they're that's ready right. to have, you know?
1: They uh, hug each other in a special <laughs> way. <when. laughs> yeah, And then a little... Mode modrilithid, modrilithid is born. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyway, so I I I mean, I, my policy is if I, I just put the options out there, and if GMs want to allow a Modron Illithid offspring, that's they can. If they want to say something like, no, 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 only mammals can, and mammals, and only lizards and lizards, and constructs and constructs, or aber, aberrations and aberrations only, you know, I don't, I don't know. So you'd have to be a Mind flare slash Flump. Is there aberration? Yeah, they're the only Yeah, I,
0: yeah. beholder. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Jeez. So I've got those options. Like you could play a mind flare flump offspring if you really wanted to. I don't know what that would look like. I mean, they've already got the tentacle face, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's I in fairness. And they, they've got that connection of like that, that mind connection. I think, was it like flumps, like they love good energy.
1: Yeah. There you go. There you go. Wow. Jeez. Anyway. So now I'm going to have, have to commission some art for that. But, <laughs> that's, um, that's, well, yeah. I, so people I, cared about that stuff, but I'm just like, Ugh whatever just give it as a, it's just an option you don't have to use it no. it's just like the flanking rules or whatever that's,
0: that's what i mean i think there is a certain point that i kind of said before that it's kind of like almost liberating as a designer to be at some at some point like you 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 aren't the the arbiter of fun or rules you are putting products out there and you kind of always have to hold your hands up and be like do what you want with it there is there with adventures you're like there is my kind of like intended intended path to it as of like that. but for like rule supplement it's like they're, they're there now. You do what you want with them, you know. If you yeah. wanna, if you wanna allow like X parts of it and stuff like that, that's fine. If not, okay yeah. I mean, your... a perf-
1: a perfect example is the fact that I'm perfectly fine with somebody wanting to use my rules with Tasha's Cauldron mm-hmm. of Everything options, or maybe they prefer an orc and an elf had a little baby, or the uh, the Grazelax's Guide to Ancestry, or half race uh, handbook, or whatever mm-hmm. the other great options are out there. Gabe Hicks's uh, class based example from Itch. Right. So those are, you know, sure. Anyway, what are, that's fine. Those yeah. are all good. You can so, mix and match those two.
0: Well, actually, just because I, I kind of in a passing mentioned, I, we, we have spoke about modrons and and a little bit about adventuring. I, I, w- I would like to chat a little bit about Shape of Folly. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. no problem. It's, it's like, just because, again, it is quite, quite, it, it, again, one thing that's kind of consistent about your your uh, products is you, you do go for quite the eye-catching covers.
1: Yeah, I do like to splurge on the covers <laughs> a bit because I think that, I mean, just for me, I want my work to look different from uh, somebody who's putting free content on Reddit. Which there's amazing content free for free on Reddit, Mm -hmm. but I just I I I, my time is valuable to me, and uh, I don't want it to be uh, I don't know blown off like Mm -hmm. it's just a a random uh, forum post. Then getting people saying like, "Well, why are you charging for this?" You know, like I can get this for free on. I guess well. I mean, they're, they're,
0: again, I've I've I spoken to a number of creators who kind of have that kind of uh, uh, standoffish relationship with Reddit, just because it tends it tends to be the most, and I guess antagonistic towards I guess like the the DMs guild and drive through RPG, especially when again they 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 are like blessed with the amount of kind of creators who are willingly kind of handing out high quality free content. Yeah, um, I wouldn't
1: say my my a- attitude is antagonistic as much as no, uh, mystified. I'm like yeah. I I don't quite know why. Um, some of those creators get, uh, don't get more attention on Reddit and I don't, and I, you know, like, it seems like people do well or poorly there quite independently of how well or poorly they do on, in other forms, yeah. Kickstarter or Twitter or, cause like, I've never, never had a good reception to my work on Reddit. I'll post something and just, I get, you know, pretty down, had hardcore downvoted. So yeah okay well you've made it clear reddit you <laughs> yeah. don't like what i have to offer so that's fine so
0: to uh, well, i mean sorry so so, so to address the, the modron in, in the room uh, yeah. i don't know why that that's gonna be my, my saying of the day address the x in the room whatever it's um what was kind of the i guess yeah i mean like uh, i i'm 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 uh well i was about to say i'm an outspoken modron fan uh was was that kind of just the main of like i just want to write something about modrons, or was it where, yeah, where
1: the spot came from. So Shape of Mad, uh, Shape of Folly was originally uh, uh, written as, um, uh, it was actually an adventure I ran a party through. You know, I have a homebrew, I had a home game that we went from levels one to 20 over yeah. from about 2015 to 2018. And this was just one of their chapters. Uh, but I really liked the, it was a lot of fun to build and run because it's kind of my homage to my favorite AD&D dungeon, which was uh, uh, White Blue Mountain.
0: Ah.
1: Right. So it's kind of a fun house dungeon full of nonsense traps and stuff, Mm -hmm. but I wanted it, but I just, again, the challenge I posted myself was posed to myself was, can I make this make coherent sense? Like what could actually, because the explanation of white blue mountain is there's an insane wizard and that's it. That's the explanation, right? Just like so many fun house dungeons, crazy wizard. It's, you know, dungeon of the mad mage. That's all all you got. But um, I wanted to say, no, actually this is the reason why, so I came up with a story where, well, there was a, a mine, they discovered this corrupted, um, I'm giving it away. <laughs> uh, this corrupted uh, adamantine deposit that had been kind of tainted because there was uh, this uh, a- a dwarven wizard that was working in the mine, was trying to uh, like tap planar energies and stuff. He was experimenting. And this, so this stuff, uh, 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 he ended up calling, like summoning out of the, through this uh, portal, that he created uh, Modrons that t- that would now serving him. So he had this great workforce that never tired, never complained. So he fired all his regular workers and he's like, I'll be rich and I want it to share my money because they don't care about it. But the problem is that doing this, created all this cr- like this, uh, you know, negative energy plane energy mm-hmm. was flowing into the area, corrupting the Modrons, driving him uh, insane. And so once he died, uh, the Modrons just kept creating because nah. like, without any r- rhyme or reason. So as you move through the dungeon, it, it moves from like, this is a natural environment. It's just like a place that had been a mine that had been abandoned hundreds of years ago. And, you know, like, oh, hey, you know, this ogre is layering here and there are these swarms of rats. It's just like, I tried to make it like a completely coherent ecosystem. Yeah. But then as you go deeper down, you say, oh no, this is like a well-structured, well-built, in fact, incredibly well-built Dwarven mine. Mm-hmm. But then things start getting weird and as you go to the, like, even further, all of a sudden, like you start getting like, f- like, you know, that scene in uh, Inception or something where like, the turning
0: lies... cor- corridors, yeah. <laughs> yeah like the, the turning
1: uh, corridors yeah. and like, wait a minute, these tiles are like, like non-repeating tessellations that are giving <laughs> me a headache when I look at them. And, you know, like there's all these bonkers traps and I, you know, my favorite trap, if I can share. Oh, please do. Is um, so, it ended up just for fun. This is no, I don't think anyone's ever played the game and the adventure and picked up on this, but like each of the rooms are a different platonic solid shape. So like there's a pyramid, (laughs) then a cube, then like a, you know, like a, what would be in a, if it were a die, an eight-sided die, and then a twelve-sided room and a twenty-sided room, right? And so each one matches. The, t- the d10 is excluded, not included, because that's not a platonic solid. It's no one not,
0: likes no one likes the d10. Yeah,
1: it's not perfectly symmetrical in all directions like the others are, right? Oh. So anyway, so it's like you could imagine the modrons who you know are organized in hierarchy by shape, coming up with some reason or other to think that the rooms should build be built this way, yep. as you move through them. So, um, but one of the rooms, and and then several of the rooms have like an elemental theme too. So like there's a fire and a water and an earth and an air. So the air one is you walk out into, the, you go through a doorway and it's actually a portal to a pocket dimension of, that's of borrowed from the elemental plane of air. So you like, you walk out and there's this super narrow bridge that extends like 150 feet, so farther than you can see yep. in this like foggy miss the area and you look down and up and you can't see any walls in any direction and you know that at the far end of this bridge is an object you need to get to move forward so they move people walk across the bridge or run or whatever but there's there's air elementals that come and they're tasked with pushing you off the bridge
0: oh geez that's that's that's, that's nasty that's evil <laughs> but here's
1: the fun thing you put if you because inevitably somebody gets pushed off the bridge yeah. um, if you fall it's a demi plane a very small one when you oh, so hit the bottom of the demiplane, you appear loops. at the top again. Yeah. So you just keep pass, flying past the bridge every other turn, right? And so the challenge then is, well, how do we get this guy back on the bridge safely?
0: Yeah.
1: Right? And there's just so many ways you could imagine somebody trying to come up with a solution. Why well, cast fly? And I'll go grab him. Yeah. Okay, well, he is falling at, you know, whatever, 500 feet around. So that, that might be challenging. Yeah. Other people are like, I'll throw him a rope. And like, okay, well, then, you know, like, whoop yeah
0: they've reached their terminal velocity at this point there so So you
1: so like i've had different parties i've run it three or four times like some of them are like i'm going to try and magic this problem right i'm going to hold person or something um i'm going to use a wall of force to make a slide i'm going to (laughs) throw him a rope and then one party did this thing where they said they threw the guy the rope and after he came up when he got to be equal to the bridge they told him to let go and so like they did like somebody was doing like the physics of pendulums to be like, oh no. Because no, no. <laughs> what'll happen is he'll go shooting back up, but then he'll go through the ceiling and come off the floor and he'll reach right about next to the bridge. And that's where he'll stop hey. before he starts falling. Because that's exactly the same amount of energy, right? So that, like, and then we can grab him because he's just floating there for like a split second. And it worked. Yeah. So I things feel like, like we- that.
0: Yeah, I love
1: I love a a situation where that you can give players and you're like, man, I have no idea how they're going to solve this. I can see that there's like many ways they could approach it. Yeah, let's find out. I mean, that's my favorite uh, way to run a game and to write an adventure.
0: I mean, yeah, I I I must admit there is something about like coming up with like an adventure premise. And then almost kind of working backwards from like, okay, well, well, this is what I want to do. How can I make it make logical sense? And then as you begin to kind of find those kind of solutions, that's kind of what inspires like more content. It's like the idea yeah. of like, okay, I, you know, let's let's, you know, how how can how can this dwarf make a you know a very effective mine modrons? Fantastic. Well, when modrons eventually take over, what are they gonna do? And then you kind of, yeah, you kind of ravel off and then the kind of like from what starts is like, I don't know, like for me at least, it's like one line. Of like words on like a piece of paper, slowly fleshes out, and yeah, you've got like demi planes to and the element, the the plane of air to get people yeah. flying about.
1: Makes perfect sense, right? No, I, I I do love. I mean, every this is not not new or original to me, certainly, but I'm sure you've heard this sort of idea that you know having that sort of like art, giving yourself an artificial frame, mm-hmm. right, or structure, or limit, or or challenge for me is what creates. Uh, the best opportunity for creativity. I'm much better when I'm like, well, what if I had this limit? Mm. And then working with that than just looking at a blank page,
0: right? So then I guess to kind of like, I guess, pull back a little bit and, and look across your kind of, I guess, creative process as a whole, across everything that you've kind of done, has there been like a, a one one particular design choice that you can kind of like point to and be like, you know what? I'm quite, I'm quite chuffed with that. If not the elemental average.
1: <laughs> mm. Let's see. Um, well, I really am happy with the way in which I offered the ability to create multiple mixed ancestry characters. I think that that yeah. was like, I liked the fact that that, that wasn't my initial intent, but mm-hmm. I saw the opportunity and was like, oh, this could be really important. Yeah. So I'm really proud about that. of that. Um, I think more recently uh, uh, I was proud of the way in which I could see how to make the D system into well uh, serve a superheroic genre story. Yeah. So I'm really glad to have had that a chance to do that. So that was really exciting. So those are probably two of my favorite right now.
0: If if you don't mind, then, say explaining a little bit. Then, so what was like some of the changes that kind of the five E system had to go through to kind of, again because as we kind of mentioned before, there's that kind of like natural foundation that kind of says you know these 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 characters are doing like su- supernatural superhuman things, but
1: Right. But d fifth edition is still d d right? And the designers, you know, Crawford and gang quite clearly wanted the game to feel familiar to people coming back from old editions. Mm-hmm. So the scarcity mechanics are still quite present. You have hit points, you have and you have, uh, you know, exhaustion, you have, if you want to track your number of arrows and rations, mm-hmm. you've got spell slots and how many times can you action surge and things like that. And the game is very much and has always been built around scarcity resource management. Mm-hmm. But for me, that doesn't feel like a superhero story. Because I mean, imagine Hulk or Superman or Human Torch or somebody like Human Torch, turn go flames on and he throw, shoots fire and he shoots fire again. And he's like, yes. I gotta
0: take a long rest, guys. Yeah, I'm out of fire. All out, fire. Uh, all out right? Yeah.
1: Sorry, uh, you know that just doesn't like Hulk punches things eight times, and it's like Hulk tired. Yeah. Hulk only have cantrips, <laughs> you know, like that's weak. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I came up with a system of basically the, the, the at the core, the idea is that when you're low level, yeah, your cantrips are at will powers, but as you level up, your ability to use your powers uh, at will increases. So at fifth level, you can now use First level powers like their cantrips. No, no, you don't need you don't need slots anymore. They're called yeah. reflexive powers. And so by the time you're 20th level, you can use up to fifth level uh powers reflexively. You can just do it all day. Now yeah. you might think, oh, that's imbalanced. No, it actually isn't. Yeah. Because as Jeremy Crawford put it, the encounter design, the encounter balance rules, the CR rules and all that were designed with the assumption that every character would use all of their most powerful abilities every combat. Yeah. So, and, and you probably have played with groups that went to long rest at between every combat. Right. Yeah. And yes, if you want to create a certain sort of experience where you force them to slog through four five, six battles before getting a rest, that's fine. But that doesn't, that feels more like low fantasy or realistic, gritty, grim, dark stuff. Mm-hmm. That
0: doesn't feel like superheroes. So, so then I okay, guess, that was, right. one of my questions that kind of seems minded, so how do you necessarily go about, like, I guess, so if we take the Hulk example and stuff like that, yeah. uh, but in terms of superheroes, the Hulk has a limited moveset, I would say, how, how is it, was there any way that you kind of tried to go about, you know, not, things not feeling too repetitive? Right. So, um, yeah, that was a bit of a challenge in some
1: heroes' cases. Yeah. Uh, so the short, the, uh, again, this is not something I say in the book, but this is the secret here, which is, oh, hey, I wanted to get, I got rid of the scarcity, took DD, got rid of the scarcity mechanics and made everybody a spellcaster. Yeah. Basically, right? Yeah. But, but some of the spell castings, like, and so what you do is you choose your class and you get access to that class power list. Mm-hmm. And then there's a general list of general powers anybody the, yeah. can take from, right? Because there's some powers that like all kinds of different heroes can fly. So flight is actually on the general list, not on any particular list. Mm -hmm. So the the Hulk would fall under the class called kinetic. And the kinetic hero is one that channels their powers through their body. That's strength, speed, agility, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I did is created lists of powers that, though, though for example, in the strength case, though they might all just be instances of Hulk being strong. I mean, if you think about it, actually, if you think about Hulk, if you've read some Hulk comics, he does. Yes, he can punch something very hard, but he also is really good at picking things up and throwing them at enemies. Yeah. He's also good at picking up enemies and throwing them. Yeah. He's also good at, he does this slaps his hands together and like this sonic boom. Right. And he also has the ability to climb up walls by digging his hands into the structures you know what? yeah does the, the Hulk, jump. The Hulk i could does just
0: have a pretty pretty diverse range of skills you know what I've, I've been giving him the short stick you know he's yeah he's out there he's he's got like 50 moves he's like you know he's got like a flow chart of what he wants to do
1: and you know what you can see this in action if you and i will gladly admit i've said i'm a remixer um go play some of the marvel video games right like right now they've got one out called the avengers marvel's yeah. avengers and you choose a hero and you fight you go into the ready room and practice fighting and Mm -hmm. you learn their four or five basic moves and then you can level those moves up until they've got like 30 moves yeah there and all the heroes they have in that game have that i did not steal powers from that game but you could quite easily yeah no
0: I mean, right? like, they're, they're, again, superheroes are like the point of like, there's easily thousands of them that you can just like, you can like, you you, yeah. you just say flying and you do have yeah. like 50 of them. <laughs> and, and so the challenge,
1: the challenge ultimately after that was, okay, well, how can we make this digestible? Because one thing I didn't want to do is a mistake that I think, maybe not a mistake, let's call it a design choice <laughs> that other superhero games often did. So like, I'm talking about Heroes Unlimited and Icons and you know uh, Villain's Vigilantes and the Marvel Games and Mutants and Masterminds is they they really do kind of they're very much the older style games that require you to have kind of a lot of system mastery before you can kind of make good characters, right? And this is something that Fifth Edition is much better at than Third 3.5 was. 3.5 if you did if you'd never read any of the books and you're just sitting down with the Player's Handbook and you made a character and you're like I guess I'll take that feat some experienced player nearby is gonna be like, no, that's a trap, that feat's a trap. You think you want that, but you actually want these other feats. And they're like, well, those feats are lame. Yes, they are lame, but when you're level seven, you'll need that feat as a prereq. And so you're like, well, I didn't read that far ahead. right? I don't have those splat books with all those other rules. So I wanted to avoid that. So creating a system where you don't have to slog through 500 powers to figure out what you want. So to, to choke it, instead of having it be a flat decision, process where you come to the powers and you're like here they all are yeah. it's a decision tree process where you're like well i've chosen my class that limits me to these powers mm-hmm. i've chosen my subclass that limits me more to these powers yeah right and so like by continue by having it be an iterative des- decision process like a like a decision tree it looks more like one of those video games where you move through the, p- the skills tree screen
0: yeah i mean it goes back to what we we're saying earlier about like complexity versus depth or even, right. uh, that argument not necessarily like that argument because you the two can work in harmony in some sense like it's a case of like yeah and, and a good way to avoid that kind of um uh overwhelming like you know choice paralysis is is to limit choices and sometimes sometimes that's what you need to do i think sometimes most people are like oh yeah you we have we have 150 different options and it's like that's great but for a first-time player that's going to be a, a yeah.
1: Yeah. So we have like, here are the quick pick choices. Like here are the easy choices. If you want a fire hero, here are the fire powers there's, yeah. you know, choose one of these five or six or seven. And also we, the other thing we did away with was, is we just didn't same thing as fifth edition prerequisite service, not really important.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you kind of, you want to allow people to kind of like, you know, again, it's the idea of what makes a match and, stuff, and prerequisite kind of, hem people into kind of like oh you know you, you you've, you've chosen the hulk path therefore you you have to take the green requisite you know yeah green, it's, it's yeah, yeah. and so, and we
1: didn't want them we didn't want that we wanted people to create whatever hero yeah they wanted so mix and match for sure so and multi-classing is a thing uh, so you know they can always do they can do it that way
0: I, I can imagine that that's a fun fun bag of worms to open in terms of balancing <laughs> yes
1: yeah.
0: So then, I guess kind of more, more generally then. Uh, so uh, yeah, just just kind of asking you if, if there is like one lesson that you would you would kind of pass on to like you know the 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 time travel machine opens up, you pop in, you go back to you know Eugene in like twenty seventeen, and you're like, you 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 know other than buy stocks in X, what other sort of advice do you pass on? Wow. Oh,
1: okay. So I know you're asking about design lessons, but no, um, no. I would have, I would have so many just life lessons. Like <laughs> I would like, dude, take self-care downtime more seriously. Yeah. I have a workaholism problem that I use as an escape from things I don't like. And when I read, I read the news and I'm like, this is awful. So I'm going to put my head down and create a game today. Right. Yeah. And that will work. And it got me through, it got me through grad school. It got me 10 years as a college professor, but it's always not always the healthiest coping mechanism. So that would be a big one. <laughs> um, I think second would be um, if it's something more design specific. Would be uh, oh, there's gotta be something.
0: I, I must uh, say, like just to kind of add on to your, like your first point. I mean, I think it is is it's it is important. I mean, like, and it, I guess it is kind of almost understated in terms of like you know, social care. And again, I'm sure there's there's, there's you know a dozen or so people listening who are like. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of like that as well. And, stuff like that. and it's like, it's, yeah, it's easy to kind of fall, fall into those habits. And, and I guess having that, again, it is that like a case of like, even like, even if I had the time machine, I would probably offer the same advice, but I, I would be somewhat hypocritical because I'm not, I'm still doing it now. I'm not like, oh,
1: <laughs> same here, but maybe hearing my future self tell me would have had a bigger impact yeah. than just hear, hearing my present self tell me over and over. Cause I tell myself, yeah. you know, I should really take a break.
0: I don't know. I've seen my
1: haggard 2021 <laughs> self come back. Like you have no idea what the next four years yeah. in store for it's, us, please.
0: I, my, my, my go-to joke is I don't know what it is, but past Matt, he's, he's an absolute dick. <laughs> just <laughs> like, he's always, always just a little bit too slow for deadlines. Oh, it's just the, the, the worst guy, but future Matt, I I'm fairly sure he'll have his stuff together. I don't as yeah. present Matt, but you know what? That's future that Matt, like, yeah. yeah, that's his problem. <laughs>
1: Fair, fair. No, yeah. So yeah, I don't really have any super big design insights. I guess the biggest one would be um, not to underestimate the importance of, of uh, you just have to put some of your products out there. They're not going to be perfect. And um, no amount of playtesting and editing can print insulate you from criticism, right? So there, you're never going to be able to please everybody. So you might as well put your content out when you are at least minimally satisfied with it right it's kind of like the artist who says they don't they never finish a work they just kind of leave off you know yeah yeah, it, it,
0: yeah it, it's a tough one because i guess like you know it's 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 easy to kind of think of like you know this is i i, I don't think I, again i can't i don't think that this is something that i do but necessarily like this 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 product that i'm making is a masterpiece throughout i'm going to release it i'm going yeah. to heraldage as as the savior of tabletop it's yeah it, it's it's never it's never really no, like that yeah
1: no, um no i mean i don't i don't think i i wouldn't say i have imposter syndrome exactly but what i do have is like i don't know like the preto principle or whatever like i put 80 percent in and that's just has to be good enough sorry that's all i got man
0: no i know i honestly I, I and again it's like the idea of like you know perfect is the enemy of done and, and, and yeah, and, and sometimes it is that case of like, you know, it's like, I'm sometimes like that with not necessarily like, uh like sometimes with feature, not fe- just like not feature size, but I say feature bloat, but I meant more like content bloat in general mm. in that sometimes I feel like a product doesn't offer enough that I'm always like, I should just throw in like just an encounter table, just like an, a, ran- a bon- random encounter, just a little, like a little one that can just, you know, add that little bit of like And, I don't know if anyone's going to look at the table. It's not, the point of the product is is isn't the random encounter table, but I'm doing it. And, and that way I can say that it has it.
1: I will say the other thing that I would suggest to my younger self doesn't generalize to most creators, mm-hmm. which is I've more recently decided about last winter, spring, that I wanted to focus on fewer larger projects than more small ones, because I had the, attitude after Ancestry and Culture came out they're like, well, I guess I'm going to become a content producer here and create, you know, and I'm thinking, following a lot of the models of really successful, wonderful creators in the DMs Guild, like I'll put out a title a month, and after two years, I'll have a catalog that's accruing enough, you know, blah, blah, blah. and. I mean, that's, that is a super good way to build a career and make m- like maybe even enough money to live on, which is a wonderful goal, but I'm not in that position to need that. So I decided that's, that's, that's a grind to do. And so I think I'd rather like be, keep myself in a more creative space for longer till I find something that I'm super excited about. Yeah. Cause I think I'd rather make a bigger impact with fewer titles. Uh, so that's why I'm trying to focus on like bigger projects now.
0: I I honestly I feel like there is there's an ebb and flow to it. I think there yeah. is always that case of like when you are in a big project, you're you're always like I would love to do something small right now. I would I just yeah. want to do like a little bit uh, just because like I'm so I'm coming off some some of like the biggest projects I've, I've ever done, and I'm yearning for something small. But I I yeah. think I just have the inability to make small products, <laughs> just because going back to the round table thing. i have just got to add that little bit. But yeah. I, I sometimes, yeah, sometimes it is nice to kind of dig deep into that big, big sort of product. But then I don't know. I think that that's more of a personal thing. Cause I think, I think again, it's, it's, there's, there's no right way, or wrong about it. And right. having a larger scale project to kind of really kind of sink your teeth in. And especially when it kind of like, again, it big products, they make huge flashes. You know, right. it, you know, cause again, the, the amount of time kind of dedicating into it and like, you know, the quality, the like it's,
1: yeah. Well, and I also have spoiled. I really am incredibly lucky compared to most people that enter the space in that the first thing I really put out under my own press. I even read. Hey.
0: Uh, um,
1: is uh, ended up being really successful, and so now I'm kind of like, you know, that's the brass ring. I keep reaching for. It's like, well, I want to. I don't. I want to make something that does is more than just here's some good content, mm-hmm. which is a perfectly great goal for people. Yeah. I want to be like, how can this like push the the industry or the hobby or the game experience into a new place. Right. And either that's politically by making the community better, or just by presenting something that no one's ever seen, you know, that's what I am be shooting for, but that's hard. And I can't just grind that out. I gotta.
0: Yeah. That gotta, I, those don't necessarily come in the shape of small, uh, so like they, game, jams. Yeah. yeah,
1: they can, but yeah. sometimes your best work can come in a, an improvisational moment. So, yeah. You know,
0: yeah. Oh, you know, just in a, a random tweet that is, is, you just don't put any thought into. And suddenly it's, oh, it's viral. I guess I'm making uh, that now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, the weirdest thing is it both in my professional career as a college professor, writing books and articles, but also as a game designer. I hate to say it, but the thing that um, really motivates mo- me most is anger. I get like somebody says something or does something that I'm like no no that's awful we don't want that yeah. how can I make that better how can I fix that how can I show that that guy was wrong to yes. exclude
0: these I, issues or I, I get it no way do I endorse using spite as fuel uh, but if if you're a spiteful individual you might again like you know it's, it it's, what, it's yeah it's what life gave you just just work with it roll with it um, okay. so uh, looking again looking at looking at the time. Mm. We've, we've only gone and done it. Um, we've, we've managed to kind of chat away the, the hour, um, but there's so many more questions that we could oh, discuss. Dude, dude, like I said, I mean, that's, that's, those, I must admit, like, even though I, I do have like planned questions as so far, I do, I do like it, like a good little, like impromptu, like organic chat. Um, yeah. But I do want to get through a few of the core major questions before going, because I do love always like having the chance to kind of shout out uh, people who particularly inspire you within the kind of community. Um, Absolutely. So th- this is, this is, this is, this is your platform. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, the people
1: that have inspired me are, I already I referred to a few of them, right? Mm-hmm. So people that are working in the space, kind of putting their themselves on the line to make the, sp- the hobby and community better. Right. So, like I said, and not just in d d but role-playing game ge- in general and gaming in general, like I said, Tanya DePass and the whole like Rivals of Waterdeep crew, Daniel Kwan and the Asians Represent crew. Um, Pam Punzalan, uh, uh Gabe Hicks, and Ryan Black, and those sorts of people are really super duper inspiring. And Jennifer Kretschmer, Sarah Thompson, I could go on and on. As yeah. I'm sure you know, uh, so those are all amazing people. I'm also really inspired by folks who are giving of their time and wisdom without. Like in a way that's healthy and sustaining and like, you know, fulfilling for them and the received recipient. So, like, there's a lot of people in the DMs Guild uh, server that are like that. Uh, you know, like, I know like, uh, uh, you know, Sadie is somebody that always is willing to step in and like offer advice when yeah. it's appropriate and not, and, and in a way that's not at all mansplaining or anything right it's it's actually productive and healthy and 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 community community building and so when people do that work to not only uh lift up another creator but do it in a way that like makes everybody feel more included or more uh welcome is that's a a magical and
0: i think it's obviously in 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 those aspects it's kind of clear that they're kind of um uh their passion for the hobby and again kind mm-hmm. of like all uh, high t- high tides raises all ships you know it, that, that kind yeah. of that energy kind of comes off and yeah no I, again i, 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 it, I it's uh, why i always say it's like yeah I, I, can't, I couldn't agree more because it would be very weird for me to disagree <laughs> <Right. we're> <laughs> yeah
1: i mean yeah so that i mean those are the people that i i'm you know yeah. i mean the uh, kiana shaw and lauren brian monk putting out the TTRPG safety tools yeah those are people that are doing, you know, the, the work and uh, that are doing it in a way that builds community. And those, those are really inspiring people.
0: No, wow, no, no, again, a fantastic list. And, and yeah, especially if, if anyone listening hasn't, again, uh, hasn't heard of any of those names, such a fun tour, you know, educate yourself. You're, you're again, they're, they're all wonderful people um and speaking of wonderful people i guess we yeah we want to hear about like some of the stuff that you're working on at the moment and and tangentially where can people like you know stay up to date about it all well you can
1: follow on twitter which is arcanist press uh facebook arcanist press i think and instagram Mm -hmm. uh there's a website guess what arcanistpress.com Um, and what are, what are we working on? Well, I there's one more our ancestry and culture book that's probably going to come out uh, in the fall, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm working on I've finished the Core S5E rules. I'm now working on the augmented operators registry, which is like the monster manual for super villains. Um, and uh, that's what I'm currently working on. But I just I have a couple projects waiting. For me, one is that I'm going to start very shortly. One is, I've recently found out I'm going to be uh, having some work published in the next uh Matt Colville DM Arcadia
0: Ooh, Arcadia. Wow, congratulations! Yeah, so that's
1: fun, yeah. It's going to be, I'll, I'll, oh, I don't know, they didn't say I can't yeah, say anything. Like,
0: it's, it's in case if you signed anything, it's, it's better to bet, like people now know oh, I didn't, though. Oh, uh,
1: <laughs> there was no NDA, right? So, anyway, all right, well, let's just say. Is something coming out that's yeah. uh, uh, with them that'll appear in the fall next one next edition I guess yeah. issue. Um, I'm also working with a startup to do something that could be really exciting. It's a video game role tabletop role playing game kind of hybrid experience. Ooh. So it's I mean I I don't also there's no NDA there but I so I don't want to give away too much but yeah. it bas- it basically takes a couple very familiar kind of game formats and uh, video game formats and mm-hmm. and can serve as Uh, a kind of downtime mechanic for in-between your tabletop
0: sessions. Interesting. Right,
1: so like imagine like an idle clicker kind of game, but it's your D&D character. And so every time you come back to play at the table, you've accrued resources and blah, 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 blah. And there's all kinds of other fancy tech going on in there.
0: Yeah, a kind of interesting system to almost like gamify like the time between sessions.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I think downtime is a problem. I think that a lot of game systems try to solve the challenge of what is good downtime activities. And lots of people in D&D and other people come up with things you can do in your downtime and there are little mini systems, but I don't think any of them are particularly fun. To be honest they're mostly just roll some dice at the beginning of your session and mm-hmm. find out if you caroused successfully yeah. like it, it doesn't right yeah. it's just kind of like eh, all right whatever give
0: me a fishing mini game i want to right I wanna, yeah give me the fishing rod i want to i, I want to like you know like a, the sort of carnival you get a little uh, or imagine if you had like a
1: sim village or <laughs> yeah. an animal crossings style thing to do with your character in between sessions but yep. then you got rewards for doing it that you could then take back into the session like extra resources so like just there's a it's a you know that's something we're working on that they're they're they the they the developers the coders the serious people because video games that is big that's a yeah. much bigger fish than we're very small compared to <laughs> games. So uh, tabletop role-playing games, I mean, are very yeah. small. So like, they are like, oh, we're going to talk to venture capitalists and do startup money. And I'm like, I don't know. I, we don't have any money in role-playing <laughs> yeah. games. I don't, I've, I've heard about money.
0: We're, we're, so, we're, we're, we're pen and paper because we can't afford anything else.
1: <laughs> right, we don't. And you know what? We don't even need trash
0: pans. Trash pans,
1: we just publish it all. It's fine. Okay. So no, but seriously, uh, so that I don't, so it's kind of like it's dipping a toe into another world, which wow. is interesting and yeah. fun. But uh, uh, who knows what that's going to look like. And then I've got finally uh, Adventure Library is a platform on helping to get, get off the ground and Ooh. this is a, this is the, I can't believe I'm saying this third startup I'm involved in. This is, <laughs> I've think? never been involved in anything remotely startupy or uh, yeah, entrepreneurial. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was a college professor, you just read books and that was it. <laughs> But so now I'm involved in all this weird stuff. So the adventure library is a web platform and uh, uh web and marketplace where uh, creators of art maps and other digital assets can sell their work to people that want uh, fantasy science fiction and horror gaming art and digital. other maps and art assets. So right. like if you want stock art for your latest, book or you're a dm that just wants something for your home or maybe you're a self-published fiction author on amazon and you need cover art you can come to this website and that's all they have is that kind of art you don't have to wade through shutterstock or something looking for like you type in gnome on shutterstock and you get ten thousand garden gnomes
0: (laughs) no i don't admit as 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 someone who i again i I dip my toes into the uh the uh, stock art pile often uh, that, that sounds that's, that sounds yeah. exceedingly useful, and
1: it's and it's actually like organizable with high quality art, unlike for example, drive through RPGs stock art selection, which is not very easy to use and very limited. And so that's the goal. We're trying to yeah. hit that. Like this is a whole thing that a whole bunch of people find frustrating, and we're going to try and do it better. And also, hey, we take a smaller cut from creators than hey. those other places. So we'll see if it we can pull it off. But that one's that's something that could be kind of wow. uh, exciting too. Honestly,
0: you you weren't joking about being a busy bee. <laughs> it's,
1: it's. i need to learn to say no that's what i need to do
0: that that sounds like a problem for future future eugene <laughs>
1: yes exactly that I, I i while i curse past eugene for saying yes the thing is these are all good things it's not like i'm saying like i'm not like you know i'm I, these are things i'm excited about yeah. it's just it's
0: i get tired a lot so um Eugene, again, thank you so much for taking some time to sit down and have this chat. Uh, again, it's that case of like we've we've we've, we've gone over, but I, I, I again that, that's what I'm here for. I don't like you can't you can't stop a chat when it's, 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 it's this this um okay. yeah. Um, other than that, uh, I I don't have uh, as of the release of this podcast, I don't have anything immediately out. And as i pro- as people listening probably are aware, I've been saying I've got something on the horizon for about two months now. Still on the horizon. Don't worry, just just sit tight. I swear something's coming out soon. The
1: horizon is very far. It's okay, it is, and you know what? As you move towards it, it just keeps moving away. Yeah.
0: It's honestly, if you want to blame anyone, you should blame Future Matt. Um, <laughs> that guy or, or oh. Past Matt? I don't know. I'm 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 stuck in a time loop right now. I don't know which version <laughs> of the Matt I am. Um, but that all aside, you can find me at What would be right. and that way you can keep up to all my antics and everything I'm up to. Um, but other than that, again, I give all.
1: Oh, no, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was oh, waiting. No.
0: Sorry, no. Uh, I, was,
1: I would like to add one thing. Oh, please if, do. if you are out there watching this or listening to this, and it is not yet Friday, or it is still bef- by or before Friday, August 27th, I would invite you to consider voting for Ancestry and Culture and the Any Awards, which is like, if you don't know, like the tabletop role-playing games academy awards or whatever
0: That's a, the the uh, equivalent yeah there yeah, will be right? and yeah there will be a link down in the description below for literally uh you just click it and it'll take you right there to vote uh, you don't have Thank to you. do you don't have to do some simple click i figured
1: i should probably mention yeah. that
0: you it's, know what yeah no no yeah we need to get get it get it in while we're here um the only other thing we need to do the i'll give you the i would argue, yeah argue the most important matter um which is eugene how how do we do we end a podcast if, how do we end a podcast?
1: So uh, I like to uh, shout expletives and run away myself. Wow. just no, kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: I mean, we can, we can do, I can get, I can get some uh, old fashioned like beep sounds. it oh, would be great. And we can actually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, just the people where they can find me. And honestly, uh, allowing me the guest to thank you for bringing me on and oh. uh, uh, talking, you know, this is a lot of fun. I love getting to talk to people who, uh are having you know publishing work thinking about design i could talk about that stuff for hours so uh thank you uh for bringing me on i I really appreciated it had fun
0: no thank you very much and this is where i swear and then just (laughs) (laughs) and then (laughs) just